you, Matt. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so well each week. Um, fortunate to have such a great talent of musicians here at this church that can lead us so well. Um, I want to thank you, first and foremost, for your flexibility today. You notice we had a one service time at 1030, and so those of you that might be watching in the other room, or uh, hopefully we got most people engaged within here, if you do want to move into this room, I don't know, do we have people in overflow? No? Great. Awesome. Because I was going to say, there's some great seats right here. Just the VIP section right up front, okay? That's right, the splash zone. But I am grateful for your flexibility. See, it's good for us, I think, on several occasions throughout the year to remind us that we are one church. And we're one church with two service times. And so we had, before we came to this beautiful place and God gifted us with this awesome location to gather in, we used to gather in a beautiful place that used to be called Melissa Middle School. And uh, the performance, uh, not even the performance, the multi-purpose gym. Couldn't even get to the performance gym. But we got to the multi-purpose gym, which was great. It was a long gym. We could fit 500 plus people in there. It was great. But when we moved here, it was also great. We were able to have this room that we could gather in, but it only holds about 225 people. And so we had to split to two services quickly to be able to accommodate our space. And so I wanted to just say a quick thank you to everyone for kind of being flexible today and coming to this one service. But it's a good reminder that we are still one church together, that we do gather as one body of Christ, even though it's in two services. And so at some point today, whether it's during the message or after, or if you get bored of hearing me or whatever, take a look around and, uh, and look for maybe a face that you're unfamiliar with, somebody you don't know. And it could be that they're a part of another service, that the one you just don't come to regularly. And so it'd be an opportunity after church, maybe just go up to somebody you haven't seen before, introduce yourself, get to know each other, because we are all a part of the same body of Christ here at City Church. My name's Kyle Hendrickson. I am one of the pastors. Uh, for those of you that come like 10 minutes after our service starts, you probably don't ever see me. I usually do the welcome, which Pastor Ryan did this morning, but um, I give the welcome usually. Today I'm fortunate enough, or you're lucky enough, to hear uh, what the Lord has laid on my heart for us to hear this morning. Whether that's a blessing or a curse, you can decide that, I guess, in a few minutes. But this morning, I want us to look at Paul's call to salvation and the ministry that he was called to and the service to the kingdom that encourages each of us and draws us toward that same call. And so we'll be in the book of Galatians today. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to Galatians chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay too. We'll have it up on the screen behind me. But Paul speaks to how God called him first and foremost to himself to do the work of ministry next and to spread the gospel and add to those being saved. You see, God used Paul in a way that no one on earth would have expected. A man like him, one who intensely persecuted the church and tried to destroy it. This man would be one of the most, if not the most influential in seeing the church grow, the gospel spread, and people responding to Christ like wildfire. And so there's a few things I want us to take away from this passage this morning that we'll read through together. Truths that hopefully encourage you, that inspire you, that engage each of us with the gospel and what God might be up to in all of our lives collectively, but most importantly, what God is up to in your life specifically. And so I have five specific points that I want us to take away today. And you might be thinking, whoa, Kyle, 
I heard you were more along of those like shorter preachers, like five points. That's, that's a little too many for me. And I promise you, they're short points. We'll still get you out in time for lunch. I can promise you that. So we'll get started immediately. And by the way, if you are taking notes, I know there's some of you that do take notes. I'm going to put uh, the points on the screen so you can follow along with that as well. But point number one today is salvation is from Christ alone. Salvation is from Christ alone. And if we look in Galatians, verse 11, we're going to work our way through verse 11 through 24 today. But Paul writes, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So see, church, it would have been nearly impossible for Paul to learn the gospel by teaching or hearing or any other means of man because of his Jewish background. His Jewish upbringing would have still thought that the Messiah was yet to come and that Jesus was not the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Rescuer to bring us back to God. And so the way that he had to hear who Jesus was and really truly understand the gospel was from a um, direct revelation from Jesus Christ, which he says in verse 12. And so we have to remember, first and foremost, before anything else, that our salvation comes through Christ alone. And it is his revelation through the Holy Spirit that comes upon us when we respond to his prompting. You see, God in his sovereignty does the saving, not us. And so often we get that messed up. And that's something that either discourages us from being missional, it discourages us from sharing our faith, it discourages us from being a part of the body because we think for some reason it's us that's gonna draw people to Christ, and it's not. We're tools, we're vessels used by the Holy Spirit. Yes, he invites us into that work, but it is God and his Holy Spirit that does the saving, not us. I'll never forget when I responded to the prompting of the Holy Spirit when I was a kid, I was fortunate enough to have a Christian home to grow up in, God-fearing parents, God-honoring parents that took me to church every single week. And I heard the Bible stories in Littles. I heard the Bible stories in Kids Church. I heard the sermons week in and week out. And it was the Holy Spirit that finally laid on my heart in the spring of 1994 when I was eight years old. And you're thinking to yourself, man, he was eight years old in 94? Yeah, I was. It's okay. All right? It's okay. <laughs> I'm getting older. I'm getting older. I'll get there. But it was in that spring of 1994 that I trusted Christ as my Savior and my life changed forever. Now listen, I didn't understand at eight years old. I understand my sin. I knew that it separated me from Christ forever. I knew that I was not going to be righteous enough to spend eternity with God without Jesus coming and standing in my place for me and taking the sin on his shoulders but it wasn't until years later that I truly understood that it was all God's providence and plan in my life to draw me to himself at that point for salvation through Christ and Christ alone. Other believers in this room, other believers maybe watching online this morning, you know what I'm talking about. You maybe just need to take a moment and close your eyes and just think back to that day of salvation. Think back to the moment where you felt the Spirit drawing you to himself. What a glorious day when you were justified by your faith. 
in Jesus. And you may have heard, you may have been taught, you may have grown up like me in church and heard sermon after sermon. You may have read God's word and it made sense to you one day. You may have been listening to a certain song that spoke to you. You may have heard something over the radio or watched something on TV. You may have been around a friend that just explained their life to you. Whatever it was, those were all tools that the Lord used, but it wasn't until the Holy Spirit prompted you that you said yes to Jesus. It's the Spirit that does the saving, not us. Salvation is from Christ and Christ alone. Point number two that we see Paul talk about in this last part of Galatians chapter one is that God wants to use you regardless of your past. God wants to use you regardless of your past. In verse 13 of chapter one, Paul says, for you've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. You see, Paul got to work immediately. It doesn't say here in the scripture that he took four years to go to school and get a degree. It didn't say, hey, wait a minute. He, he needs to take a two-year apprenticeship and, and get everything lined up in order. He needs to read this stack of books before he can go out and serve the Lord. No, it doesn't say that at all. In fact, it's the opposite. He got to work immediately. He knew the Holy Spirit had come upon him. And he wasn't going to wait. But God wants to use you regardless of your past. And he wasn't going uh, to listen to anything outside of Judaism and the traditions of his fathers. That's what we would have thought because he was Saul before Paul. Saul was a chief among sinners, he says. A persecutor of Christians. The worst, if not the, wor if not the worst persecutor of Christians and naysayer. Of the gospel. And yet, in verse 15, we see that God set him apart before birth, knowing he would preach his name in the saving grace of Jesus to all nations, to Jews and Gentiles alike. What an amazing thing that God knew before Paul was born the trajectory for his life. And he knew the twists and the turns and the bumps, and it wasn't a straight road. He was way, way off from Christ. He didn't want anything to do with the gospel until Jesus revealed it to him and did a complete 180 to be one of the best missionaries of our time, of history. And the thing is, friends, it's nothing that he did. He, the active agent in all this was God, not Paul. Every time it's God, and that's what we see. He who set me apart. I was called by his Name in his grace, pleased to reveal his son in me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. It wasn't Paul's agenda. It was God. And he just wanted to tell the story of the transformation that he's seen in his own life. Nothing that Paul even prepared for, but all because of God. And so what I tell you this morning, church, it doesn't matter about your past to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what you might have used to believe. It may, doesn't matter about, oh, pastor, 
the, I have done some terrible things in my past. Doesn't matter. I can promise you, you haven't been as bad as Paul was. And yet, God used him because he was willing, he was able, and he understood that the Spirit had come upon him. All of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus are a part of the body of Christ and are gifted with spiritual gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit when we trust Christ as Savior to be used to further the gospel and the kingdom of God. And that's all believers, church. That's every one of us. God wants to use you regardless of your past. And he wants to use you now. That's the third point. God wants to use you now. Continuing in verse 16 and 17. said, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And I got a little bit of my head of myself when I was talking earlier, but that is when Paul got to work immediately. And like I said, he didn't go to school. He didn't go to seminary. He didn't need the degrees on the wall. He didn't say, but, but I, I haven't actually read my Bible all the way through. He didn't have excuses that he put up that said, maybe God needs me to just spend a couple years just kind of watching just kind of waiting and I'll, I'll know when the Lord prompts me and, and he'll, he'll use me. No, he got to work immediately because the Holy Spirit had come upon him and he knew he had to tell everyone about the power and the mercy and grace that comes from Christ alone. Which also further demonstrates that this call and revelation from God that how would have Paul known what to preach? How would he have known what to speak? Because those are things you would learn by maybe sitting under somebody else's discipleship for a while or, or coming to church for a while or, or reading enough theology books. Those are the things that might, you might say would teach me what to say. But the fact is, God gave him everything he needed to accomplish his purposes. And he does the same thing for each of us. And so I ask you to take an inventory of your heart this morning, an inventory of your mind. What are the excuses that pop up in your mind each week, day in and day out, that keep us from serving the Lord or answering the call that he's put on our lives? Perhaps you hear words whispered to you from the enemy, and that's what they are, that says, you're not good enough. Your past is too bad. You don't know the word enough. You don't know scripture enough. You're not... You're not in church enough. You haven't been a Christian long enough. Those are all lies from the enemy. They're not true. Because when the Lord calls you, he is faithful. And he gives you exactly what you need in the time of need to accomplish the purposes he's put on your life. Each one of us, gifted through the Spirit of God, calls us to serve him with those gifts. And when we answer that call and follow him in obedience, we're acting in faith. And we're worshiping him with all that we are, which is really what he asks of us. The greatest commandment, that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. The greatest commandment above all is that we would worship God with our lives. We don't just worship God when we come in this room. We don't just worship God when we're singing songs of praise. That's part of it. But we worship God with our lives. Everything that we do being an act of worship. And so do you see your service to Christ, your service to this church as an act of worship or out of obligation? Is it a box that you check or is it a line because we need somebody else, you just fill it? 
Or is it truly when you say, I'm laying down my life as an act of worship to God to serve this church, to serve this body of believers so that many more might be added to their number daily and we might see the gospel go forth. All of it is just spiritual practices. They're worship unto God, being the church. Attending church is one of those. You got one, great. We sing, we read scriptures. You're constantly devoted to prayer. We're opening our word regularly. We're serving God in the church and on mission. We sacrifice our finances because we know that it's all his. Everything is his. And so we sacrifice our time. We sacrifice our resources. We sacrifice everything we have because we know that it's all for the greater good of seeing the gospel go forth, just like Paul did. He completely turned his life around when he understood the power of Jesus. And God calls us to the same thing. No prep needed. No certain class you have to take before you can get serving the Lord. There's no training you need before you open up your Bible each and every day. There's nothing. God has called you and the one that calls you is faithful and he'll give you exactly what you need to accomplish his purposes in your life. So God wants to use you now and he wants to use you regardless of your past. Point four, God wants you to grow in relationship with him. Verses 18, Paul picks up and says, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. You see, although Paul did not wait to start proclaiming the gospel of Christ, he did recognize the benefit and need for relationship with other believers and growing in his own knowledge and faith of who Jesus is. He spent a short time with Cephas, Cephas Peter, but nonetheless time to become friends, to grow together and expand his knowledge of the gospel and his faith and relationship with Christ. And just like Paul, we don't wait on anything to serve God. We don't need to wait on anything to serve God. However, God desires for us to be continually growing closer to him and in a stronger relationship with him day in and day out. And that is the reason why, church, we need to be students of this word. That's the reason we need to constantly be in prayer. That's the reason that we practice these spiritual disciplines in our life, that we gather together like this in this room each Sunday that we commune with God and in community with other believers, that we can hold one another accountable to what God has called us to. All that we might continue to grow in our relationship with God and our understanding of who he is. And here at City Church, the way that I see that played out the best and the most fruitful is through two things. One thing Pastor Ryan talked a couple weeks about was fight clubs, small group discipleship, groups that meet together, Single gender that hold each other accountable, that encourage one another, that challenge one another to grow in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in their understanding of the word. The second thing we do are service teams. And you might think, hey, how, do I, how do I get community out of just kind of serving on this rotation in these groups? Let me tell you, a couple weeks ago, we took our student leaders out. We finished the year. We took them out to a dinner to celebrate the year and celebrate all that God had done this year through our groups and through our leaders. And I hadn't seen a better visual of community 
than that dinner and seeing each table of people gathered, talking together. Yes, some of them are friends, but they became friends because of their service to the kingdom together. And that's what happens when you serve together, when you link arms together, when we partner together for the gospel and for the kingdom. We serve and we become friends. We become community with one another by serving. Fight clubs and service. You want to get connected to this church? You want to get community with other believers? Those are the two things I'll tell you, friends. Fight clubs and service teams. It's community. And God created us for relationship. He wants relationship with you. He wants you to have relationship with him. He wants you to have a great relationship with your spouse. He wants you to have great relationships with your family, with your friends. And he also wants you to have a great relationship with your church and other believers locally so that each of those relationships would cause to build one another up and help us in our drawing towards him and our sanctification process. Uh, Frank, one of our elders, read out of Hebrews before we worshiped and sang. But in verses 24 and 25 in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love And good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, we're built for relationship, church. We're built for encouragement and for challenge and to draw one another together, to fight for the kingdom, to fight against the gates of hell and community with one another as we are sanctified in our relationship with Christ. And this one's free for you. This one wasn't even in my notes. But I say the word sanctified, and I know that's like, woo I don't know that one. Okay? So this one's free for you. Three words you should know. Justified, sanctified, glorified. Okay? We're justified when we place our faith in Christ Jesus. The day that we say yes to Jesus, like I said, that salvation moment that you have, when you can think back and know, my life was transformed forever. When I was eight years old in 1994, my, my life was justified through my faith in Jesus. I'm justified. Then we are sanctified. We're sanctified from that day until the day we die. We should be sanctified more and more, looking more and more holy, being more and more made into the likeness of Jesus because we are growing in that relationship with him, growing in our knowledge of him day in and day out. And so we're justified. Then we are sanctified throughout our life until finally we hit that last day where we breathe our last breath and we die. We are glorified and we are made perfect in the sight of our Father in heaven. So we're justified, we're sanctified, we're in that process right now. Some of you may be justified today. I hope so. But then we'll be sanctified until the day that we die, we'll be glorified when we're in heaven with our Father. But we meet together locally, we gather with each other in small group discipleship, in service, in community, so that we might help sanctify one another towards Christ. And then our final point this morning, it's not about us. It's all about him. Let me say that for the people in the back. It's not about us. It's all about him. Look at the last two verses of chapter one. They only were hearing it said, Paul writes, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. They glorify God because of me. Paul ends this portion of his letter to the church in Galatia, letting us know that people had heard of him 
but not necessarily his name, but just the fact that he is preaching this faith that he once tried to destroy. He was going to kill Christians for their faith and their pursuit of spreading the gospel. And so when you have a guy like that that can change completely 180 and goes from destroying a faith to now preaching the faith widely, that's something that kind of gets some press. People heard about that. And yet they weren't talking about Paul, it says. Verse 24, he says, they glorified God because of me. People were praising God because of his faith and his transformation by the gospel. You see, God uses humble servants. In James chapter four, it says, God exalts those that humble themselves before the Lord. God invites us, church. He invites you. He calls us. He calls you to join him in ministry, in his work, or in our church, in our city, and around the world. It's then our decision to answer that call and know that we serve him out of love and devotion to him. Not because it will give us the fame, this is not going to. Not because we get the glory, because again, it's not about us, it's about him. Not so that we would get accolades or even any recognition at all. Because when we're secure in our identity in Jesus, it doesn't matter about all that. We serve him as an act of worship and because we know it is all about him and not about us. Matthew chapter five, part of the Sermon on the Mount that we went through months ago said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So this is really cool right here. God gets the glory when we serve him and yet we're closer to Christ and thus further being sanctified as we serve him. You see, our obedience draws us toward God and being in his perfect will, which friends, if you found yourself right in the center of God's will, if you can think back to a time in your life, I realize that our life in Christ is like a roller coaster and we have highs and we have lows, but when we are in the middle of God's perfect will, it's the sweetest place you can be. And it's where God desires for us to be. Because it's not about us. It's all about him. So in closing, the gospel has set us free from sin. He set us free from guilt and pain and has given us the freedom to worship God in gatherings just like this. Each and every week in Bible studies throughout the semester and throughout the week, in those fight clubs I talked about, those small group discipleship moments where you can sit across the table from someone and be completely known, and they can completely know you, holding you accountable to that sanctification process. But it also calls us to serve, serving him together in Christ's name, in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, if God is calling, nope, not if God calling you, God is calling you to some type of ministry or ministries. And some of you are like, I do, sir. Praise God, thank you. That's what we need. But perhaps God is laying something else on your heart, another area of service that maybe he's gifted you in that you've kind of listened to some of those excuses in your head for far too long and you need to answer that call that he's got on your life. We want to help you get plugged in. We want to help you get started in this church. We want you to join arms, link arms with us 
so that we might see the gospel spread in Melissa and beyond. Let's stop just going to church. Let's be the church and see Jesus made famous throughout Melissa. And as the bands come up and as we prepare to sing one last song of response this morning, I want us to spend a couple of minutes in prayer before we do sing. Taking that inventory of your heart, taking that inventory of those spiritual gifts that the Lord gave you on the day you were justified in faith, the Holy Spirit came into your life and gave you spiritual gifts that only are accomplished through Him and His purposes in your life. How does God want to use you in this local community, in this church? And again, you may be serving already. Awesome. If that's the case, then let's take an inventory of those other acts of worship, those other spiritual practices. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about getting in a fight club. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about what is it like to be regular in Bible reading because it just it's difficult for me to pick this Bible up each and every day. Maybe you need to be held accountable and you need to come alongside a brother or a sister that's going to help you stay accountable to what God's called you to. Maybe you need to take an inventory of what your family spends money on. And you need to say, you know what? I've been living for myself way too long. I need to make sure that I know that even my finances and my checkbook are all God's. It could be any of those things. But the one that has called us is faithful. And when we place our faith, when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, that's the sweetest place you can be, right inside of his will. Don't listen to the enemy's lies that he tries to whisper to us that we aren't good enough, that you're not strong enough, that you're not ready, you're not prepared enough. If Jesus is Lord and Savior in your life today, then you're ready. And he's called you to something great and he wants to accomplish his purposes through you. And what a joy it is to be invited into that. So let's take a moment, let's bow our heads. Perhaps today needs to be the day that you answer the call of salvation. As we understood that call, that salvation comes from Christ and Christ alone. You cannot serve God without knowing who God is first. You sure can't use it as an act of worship if you aren't a Christ follower already. So maybe today as you're sitting there, as your head's bowed, your eyes are closed, maybe today you need to say, you know what, I've been playing games too long, Lord. I've been going through the motions. I've come here once or twice into this room and I've heard the call of salvation on my life and I just, I've made an excuse. I've listened to the enemy far too long. Today, friend, may today be the day of salvation for you. May you say yes to Jesus. May you repent. Regardless of your past, just like Paul, who was called Saul and was destroying the church of Jesus Christ, Jesus was real to him. Jesus transformed his life forever and he can do the same thing for you. You just have to say yes. Repent of your sins this morning and say, Lord, I want to follow you the rest of the days of my life. rest of us that are in Christ, whether we've been following Christ for a day or whether we've been following Christ for 35 years, 
He's called us to serve him. He's given us specific gifts that can honor him as an act of worship. So Lord, as my friends are sitting here and you're calling them to something greater, God, would you reveal that to them in this moment? God, we want to be used by you. Because Lord, you've invited us into your ministry and we've seen you at work year after year, specifically in this local church. We've seen you do a great work through City Church. And God, I want to continue to be invited to into that great work and seeing Melissa transform for the gospel. And so God, we have to step up to the plate. We have to answer that call you've placed on, your lives, on our lives. So I pray God that our friends here would answer that call this morning. Don't let them listen to the excuses the enemy tries to slip in. Bind the enemy from this place. Bind the enemy from our minds and our hearts so we might focus directly on you. So we might hear from you in this moment. God, thank you for your word that is so true. It's encouraging, Lord, and sometimes, God, it can... It can pierce us like a double-edged sword. So God, I pray. Pray that whatever feeling or emotion might be falling on my friends in this room right now, that God, they would see that it's from you. If it's encouragement, God, encourage, comfort. If it's challenge, Lord, convict us. God, we want to be more like you each and every day. We want to draw near to you each and every day. We want to be more holy like you are holy. So help us, Lord. Help us in our pursuit of that holiness. Guide us. Remind us of your word daily. Give us a community of believers, friends alongside of us that can keep us accountable to what you have called us to. Keep us accountable to your word. Keep us accountable to meeting together, to gathering together in the church and serving that church body with all that we are. God, you're good, and the one who calls us is faithful. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for my friends here. Thank you for this church. Thank you that you are the good in us, and it's all about you. It's not about us. We love you, Lord. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Thanks for listening to the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. at 2300 Vineyard Hill Lane, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city. Oh, yeah.